Welcome back, crew, to episode 41 of Built for Better. Today I had Michelle Vogrenik in. A really cool story of growing a brand out of just finding a solution for her kid's allergy uh, to being on supermarket shelves all around the country. I really enjoyed this chat, uh, but before we get into it, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of wait. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. Hello, thanks for jumping on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How, how have you been? Melbourne's about to go into a five-day lockdown starting <laughs> at midnight tonight. How um how actual long we is in lockdown last time? I think I lost count. Of, I lost track of um, the number of months, but it was months. It was actually quite a long time. Crazy, it was three or four months that yeah, the five K zone was in place. And, yeah. So it's um, it's probably a good thing that they've just done it short and sharp because you don't want to end up in that situation again. That's for sure. No, but I, you know, I think it's what you make it, and I think if you can can stay connected with your friends and use your Zoom and use your technology that get out in nature, things that are around you, then, you know, it'll be okay. You just got to take that at you. So like currently you're obviously business coaching. So you would have um, still been able to work and whatnot from home. Yeah. I've, I've had business coaching set up online before COVID. So that was how I wanted to operate my business. So it didn't affect me at all. In fact, I actually had a really good year um, last year amongst the stuff that went wrong. I actually had a quite a good, a good year. So. Yeah, nice, nice. But like, before we get too much into it, just uh, jump back. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, what your schooling was like. <laughs> um, I was the Y kid in the classroom. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And protest a against three-year-old that's doing that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was me. So I was a curious George, but I was also the determined one, and who. Um, you know, I really talked about what I believed in. So when we were in science class and they were cutting up animals, I was outside the door protesting and <laughs> and I was I'm not a good student. So I did end up spending a lot of time at the principal's office. Um, and that's because I think, uh, you know, I didn't fit into the school system. So I found that I wanted to do things a bit differently and that wasn't really accepted. Uh, that's okay. And so yeah, left school at the age of 17 so, well, actually 16, I got offered a job where I did work experience. So I went straight into an administrative role at the age of 16 with Lend-Lease Retail. So got quite into a good job quite quickly and progressed there through to executive assistant in various places and then into marketing. So I went through kind of lots of different support roles, but also then found uh, my love was in marketing. And was it at this time that you started Gaia as like a little side hustle? No, I started Gaia after I had my first my first child and he had skin irritations and problems and I and I just couldn't solve them. And being the little curious Georgia that I was, I went off and tried to work out what I could do differently, what foods, what things put on his skin. And then I sort of discovered that skincare had a lot of irritants in it. And so I decided to start making my own. Um, we lived on an organic farm at the time. 
and some of the blends started to work and then people were sort of saying oh my sister's um son has eczema or i know someone with eczema so um could you make us up some or i need some of that or so i did a market analysis i was pregnant number two at the time and i think when you're pregnant women think they can take on the world um they kind of get that sort of gusto going about them and did a did a bit of analysis and discovered that there was a bit of a hole in the market for that type of product so launched Gaia when my second child was, well, in utero, actually, I was 36 weeks pregnant, um, and it just grew. It was supposed to have been a little side hustle, you know, that just never ended up that way. It ended up going really big, really quick. Yeah, so it went big quick. Mm. Within three years, um, I asked my husband to join me in the business because I was run off my feet. And we moved to an office, I think, within the fourth year. And then we employed staff and it just kept going and going and going and going. And you sold it 17 years later. I Is did. that right? <laughs> yes. What, um, like, tell us about the, the journey of it, like, throughout the 17 years, like, obviously, four years, you started to get staff. Like, how many staff did you have after 17 years? So we had 15 staff members and around probably about six contracted different um, sales agents, reps, and all that side of things as well, probably more than that actually, uh, towards the end. Most of our staff had been with us for 10 years plus. So we actually managed to maintain um, all of our staff with us quite um, a long way through that journey. And it was interesting. There were ups and downs, highs and lows, um, lots and lots of lessons. <laughs> I did have an adrenal fatigue and um adrenal dysfunction in there along the course of time managed to get that back on track uh, with quite a lot of work but yeah it was interesting it was definitely an interesting journey uh, towards the end though we had a lot of competitive activity that was hell-bent on chopping us down so we spent a lot of time in legal battles and I was just sick of fighting sick of fighting the battles and thought you know what I've given this all I can give it it now and and let's find some new blood for it to take it to the next level yeah and was it like obviously a process of um starting at home to like you know just look for some treatment for your son to get it on the shelf in major supermarkets it was and we had this idea in our mind so i went out on foot pregnant with my first uh, second second child so i was out on foot in pharmacies had it no had no relationships with any pharmacies and just getting it in the door that way and then i was at an expo so we did all the expos around the country and this gentleman comes into my stand and he says oh this is amazing it's the only stuff i can use on my child's skin i'm like that is ace and we were chatting and and he hands me his business card and he was the baby buyer for coles and he said um we want this on our shelves in all 700 stores and inside i was going oh my god oh my god oh my god on the outside i'm like yeah that would be great we'll set up a time and i'm like oh my god <laughs> so we had lots of support from the major retailers which was great and it progressed from there it just ended up being this massive um, entity that was available in all different so we were I think the only smaller brand that was available in Coles um, in, in, in supermarket grocery in FMCG in pharmacy in health food in convenience gift like we were across the board so and we were very strategic about how we did that but um yeah, it was really great. I think we outsold Huggies at one stage there in wipes, <laughs> which was really cool. And we sold a product every 13 seconds. Wow. That's, that's yeah. And obviously you've been, would have been watching the product since you've sold. Has it gone to the next level like you thought it would or it's kind of taken back a step? 
It's really interesting. Um, I haven't sort of said this publicly, but um, I've watched it and I was really excited about new people coming in and bringing in a new, some new blood into the brand and creating a new design and, and that side of things. And they've launched a new design and it's awful. Um, I really don't like it at all. I was like, oh, really? That's what you came up with? So I have, for what the hopes and dreams I had for it to progress further haven't actually happened. And that may be a COVID-related thing. But, yeah, I was hoping that it would come out with this amazing new look and, and feel and, and I was a bit disappointed in that. And do you feel still feel like it's your baby? No. <laughs> So before before we sold, I um, it was my baby and it was something that I lived and breathed. So I actually went up to Byron Bay and did a four-day retreat where I learned to surf. And during that process, it was about me letting go. And if you if, if you're a surfer, you cannot fight the waves. So that was my way of letting go and, and letting go of um, the baby that we'd raised for 17 years. It's a long time. Um, that was really good to do that um, and do it that way. And I was ready by the time it sold. So it was about three year period from from the sale process. Um, I was I was ready for it to go. Yeah. And obviously, um, business is tough. What are some of the biggest lessons you learn over the seventeen year period? Ooh, resilience. Um, resilience i was thrust into some very very serious legal situations where i had to um really rely on internal my internal i had to get my shit together i really did i couldn't just you know get upset about it and go and and bitch about it anywhere because it wasn't going to do anything and and i think the acceptance that I couldn't do anything about the situation. I had to make good of what was in front of me, shit option one or shit option two, and we just had to choose. So the building that resilience was was massive and um, perception, I think, during that time as well, what, what perception is from other people to your perception is very different. So the resilience thing was massive, huge. And emotional regulation, I had no emotional regulation for a very long time and learning that that internal side of things was really huge big lessons huge lessons in that 17 year period would there have been many days where you didn't do any work at all yeah there was um it was very rare though um i did but i did try to work it around my kids so i was down at the office simon was down at the office um you know nine to six or whatever it was i dropped the he dropped the boys to work and i and i uh a school sorry and i um was down there from seven in the morning until three three days a week and I worked from home and around things around that so it looked there were days but it was rare it was very rare and when we sold and we had three months of of handover I had um was great selling to a distributor because they knew all the stuff you didn't have to stay there and I sat there one day on the Monday after I'd handed everything over and went what then what do I do now like I was just there were no emails there was no social media. There was nothing. I was kind of like, I don't know what to do with myself now. I was really quite, quite stuck in like, oh, I don't know. there's nothing to check. Like there's nothing to check on. And are you okay? And how's this going? What's happening there? And I was twiddling my thumbs. It was funny. <laughs> and what was the next step after that? I had people started to call me and say, hey, I want to pick your brain on this and how, hey, what do you reckon of this or can you help me with this? And so I started 
I was on the phone quite a bit and someone had said to me, you need to start paying for your time. And I'm come, like, come oh. for a coffee and I'll pick your brain for free. <laughs> That's what was happening. And I'm not, I'd go for a coffee person. I never really have been. It's kind of like, that's a waste of my time to go and drive half an hour to have a coffee, leisurely coffee while someone picks my brain and then drive another half. It's two hours of my time gone when you're time poor. So I started to get to a point. I was like, mm, no more coffees. Um, no, I, I'm actually not going to meet up with you. And and when, so I had someone refer to me and say, I'd really love if you could help me with this. And so I put together some structures and people took to it. So, and I was getting, I'm now getting referrals from quite a lot of people that have said, oh, so-and-so said to work with you. Or So it's it sort of, I fell into this side of things, but I love it. I actually really adore doing it. And I love helping people. And you're the same, um, like you like to help people and watch people grow. So watching people grow as a result of the work I'm doing with them is really cool. That's really awesome. I love that. Yeah, cool. Tell us about your family before we go too much further. I am married with three children. So um, 14, seven, oh, what is it? 18 and 21. And it's a bit freaky having a 21 year old. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a bit, um, a bit much for me to bear. So I have two man children <laughs> and a child. Um, yeah. So that's it. I don't have a lot of extended family. So my dad, my brother, that's it. I don't really have, and my auntie up in Newcastle, but I don't really have a big extended family. There's only a small, quite a small family. And uh, how were your kids at school? Were they similar to you or? Uh, the eldest one was <laughs> a little challenging. <laughs> um, middle one was a very diligent uh, student. He was the people pleaser. He wanted to please his teachers. That was his role. And I remember him coming home from school when he was little and he burst into tears and I'm like, what's wrong? I can't hold it in anymore, mummy. And I'm like, what? I have to be good all day for the teachers and I can't be good for you anymore. And I'm like, okay. So he, the good thing was he was good at school, but he came home and he just could not deal with it anymore. He had to just, it was almost like he was holding his breath all day. And, and Max is good. He just goes to school and comes home again. And Jacob was the valedictorian of his year 12 year last year. So that was pretty cool, particularly in COVID. Um, he did really well. So, and he's now an apprentice plumber. Oh, so this good. week. That'd be a good trade to uh, to get into. And well, I've got one as a fencer, one's a plumber. Now I'd really like a sparky or a chippy. That would be great. Yeah, you'd be set. You'd be able to get a new house. Yeah. Um, martial arts here into karate. I How am. How long have you been doing that for? 26, nearly 27 years. So I made a transition across from classical ballet to karate. I was a dancer from the age of four. And next door to a karate school and they said hey come and try and I'm like, yeah okay and I fell in love with it and do you think uh during your business like having that outlet of karate was um important for you hugely important and the interesting thing was that business and then I had a third child so having a business having three children doing training and I used to teach karate as well so I was an instructor I could not do it all and I stopped training. I did an injury actually during my third pregnancy. I, I trained right through all my pregnancies and I couldn't train. But interestingly, after I stopped training, it was in that couple of years where I ended up with adrenal fatigue and a little bit of a mental meltdown because, and I, and I do believe not having that outlet to uh, support me, it just makes me a better person. Uh, it was contributable so when I could go back it took me a while to get back on track after adrenal um, problems when I could go back I have and I've um, yeah so I've been back now for quite some time I did my knee down 
last year, 12 months ago, over 12 months ago now. So that was really cool being able to go back and do that again. And now I've got um, a new class that I've started and lots of things going on there. So it's nice. I love it. Yeah, I just finished James Smith's book and he obviously different martial arts, but they still work off the belt system. And it was a really interesting way he put it that it doesn't matter how successful you are when you walk into a martial arts, you still start like at the very bottom, like it's a really good perspective builder. Yeah, it is. And I think when you hit, so doing the transition between my black belt and my second black, the difference is massive. And and it's only when you go through that process that you realise how much leading up to a black belt and you start to learn as you get black belt. So now I'm starting to learn the fundamentals behind all the training I've done to lead up to this time. So, which you don't realise, you kind of think, people think once you've got your black belt, you've got your black belt, but there's a whole other nine levels above Above there, and that's when you start to learn the really good stuff, the cool stuff. So I've I've learned a lot in the last twelve months, and and I'm I'm really able now to um, instruct and teach that back to the class again now, and I can see the difference in the levels and the the training that I've done and the knowledge that I have with that. It's been really cool, actually. If if I was to start karate tomorrow and say I was quite good at it and I was consistent, what would the time frame be of going from a complete beginner to a black belt? That would depend on the number of days you trained. So a minimum I, 10 years though, wouldn't it? Not necessarily. Um, yeah, right. it, yeah. So it depends on your ability and the number of days you train. So I wanted to be a fighter. So I traveled the world fighting. as a professional fighter for a while there. Um, back, back a long time ago now. Um, but so I trained seven days a week. I had a person looking after my nutrition. I had somebody looking after my, you know, I had a physio that was there just to make sure my recovery was in place. So it depends on how much effort you put into um, treating yourself as an athlete and looking, and you would know this, looking after your body, looking after your mind, looking after your your um, injuries, because you get queer full contact style of karate. We're bare shin, bare knuckle. We don't wear padding. We beat the crap out of each other with um, nothing on. Um so there's a lot of injury that takes place. And if you can manage your injuries well, um, then happy days. But it does depend upon your dedication and, and how much you're prepared to put in. And it's a mindset game. It really is. If you're, if, yeah, if you're not there mentally, then it's, it's a lot harder for you. What are some of your biggest lessons you've learned from karate? Uh, it's a mindset game. No, it's an internal job. I think, if, I think life now is an internal you know, job. And I, it's taken me a while to realise that, but you can push through things and, and just don't give up. If you can, you can go, you can go down, but you've got to get up every time. And it's okay for you to have a day where you go, um, I've, I've, I've succumbed to this, like they'll push you to a limit. And if you break on that limit, it's not a bad thing. Whereas previously you'd think that that was a problem, but that just means you've broken another barrier. So then you're just going to grow that little bit more to get to that next level. So I think that was a really good lesson that it's okay to break, it's okay to fail and and that more champions were born because they lost their fights than they were they won. So because you learn more from losing fights than you do from winning them. Win or learn. Absolutely, definitely. Um, so obviously business coaching, I guess I'd compare it to um, similar to what I do with my clients, like um how important is goal setting in your opinion? Huge. Like people will say to me, oh, I've got this and I've started here. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what's the purpose of your business? I don't know. Okay, so this thing, this big thing up here is what you're driving for. That's your driver of everything you do. 
comes back to that that um, permission and purpose. And if you don't know what that is, then you're driving aimlessly around the street with no no direction. So you need to have a direction somewhere to aim for. And if you've got that in place, we can work backwards and we can then set those goals to have in place. And once you hit those milestones, let's celebrate. And once we celebrate, you feel really cool. And when you start to know, oh, wow, I've got to there, then let's go to the next stage and the next stage. But if they don't have those in place, they just wander aimlessly and then say, I don't know why this is not working. We've got to have structure. I think structure, and I think it's Kerwin Ray that says um, structure and discipline equals freedom. And I so believe that um, as much as we don't like it sometimes, that structure and that discipline, the, the, some of the little things you do every day that makes a big difference to how you achieve. All lines up exactly with health and fitness, doesn't it? Like you've yeah. got your, I guess your purpose is the same as your why. Like why do you want to do what you want to do? Yeah. And then you've obviously got your big goal with, you know, um, if it's, you know, a competition or a weight loss and then it's the small milestones. But it all, it all comes back to like what you do every single day. It does. And I've just changed around my routine because I, because after we sold the business again, I've had a little bit more adrenal fatigue and a little bit more burnout. So I've been trying to get that back on track over the last year and a half. And so I was getting to a point where I was just sleeping in and, you know, just kind of, and then realizing how bad that is for you. So I've changed my routine around again now. So I, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'm up. doesn't matter how tired I am. I just get up. And as long as I'm moving and moving your body and I, and I listen to a podcast um, by Jason Witten. It was talking to Marcus Pierce, I think his name was. And it was talking about the people that have lived a long time, but the quality of their life. And every and this surprised me. Every single one of them had said the key to living a long but fruitful life and a life they enjoyed was actually movement, not nutrition. I actually expected them to say nutrition. Nutrition, I think, was fourth on their list of things that mattered. But if you're not moving your body, then your body seizes up and over time it just breaks down. So movement for me is really important. So moving every day, I, I do all of those things first. I make my bed every morning. I have a glass of water as soon as I wake up. Those rituals, I meditate, I journal, all of these little tiny things, but it's just some of those little things that add up to, you know, big progress for me. Yeah, and do you do guided meditation or? I do guided. I'm not a fan of um, transcendental. I, I just don't. It just doesn't gel with me. So I really love the guided meditation and, and yeah, I, I try to do it daily. Sometimes I miss it here and there. But there are other activities you can do meditatively. So I live next to the forest. So I'll go for a forest walk and that's a very meditative activity for me. Um, and But, yeah, the guided meditations now, uh, yeah, they've been in place for a while now. About five years I've done meditation and I love it. It doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting there with your arms crossed and all, all um, like a monk. Fingers <laughs> together, hands <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and if you sit quietly and, you know, in, in a space and, yeah, it doesn't have to be silence, not about freeing your mind of activity. It's about actually being able to focus on your breath and let the thoughts come and go. And people seem to think it's, you know, I need to make my mind quiet. It's like well, it's not about making your mind quiet. I think it's quite misunderstood. Yeah, it's pretty easy to just get up and, you know, get on your phone, scroll through social media and then you get to work and then you're this, the kids are up, yeah. bang, bang, bang. And like suddenly you get into bed in the night and you're getting into bed at night and you haven't had a chance to, I guess, sit in your own thoughts. 
And that's what I realized after we sold the business. And I was driving this day and I'm driving along in my car and I noticed a sign. I thought, I've never noticed that before. And I noticed something else and I thought, gee, I, I drive quite mindlessly. Like, I think we drive and we think about dinner and we think about that. And I realized actually how many activities I was doing during the day that were mindless, that I wasn't focused on what I was doing at the time. So I've made it a bit of a goal that that was what I was going to do was start to be mindful of my activities and while I was doing them to actually be fully present. That's been a big deal, actually. That's changed a lot. That's actually helped um, helped internally quite a lot and calm my, my, my nervous system and and um, enjoy enjoy the the things that are going on as well, rather than trying to rush, 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 rush. And I realised how much I wasn't present for my kids during the business. So I was there in physical body, but I actually wasn't present with them. So that's something that I've realised. And I hope that by coaching other mums in business, it helps them to realise that, you know, separate off the two and be present with your kids as opposed to on your phone while you're talking to them and doing all those things as well. It's good that you've, um, I guess, like not good that that's happened, but it's good <laughs> that you've learned that lesson and you can pass that on. Yeah, I think it's big. It's actually a big one. And the kids had said to me, it really upset me when they said, well, you know, because I tried to work, so I was here for them when they go home. And they said to me one day, but you weren't here. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Go, well, you come home and you have a sleep and you were tired. And so that that was a really big ouchy moment that I thought, shit, all this work I'm doing for my family when in fact I wasn't taking into consideration my family's needs. Powerful. Mm. Um, journaling. How do you journal? I do two things when I journal. There's a few. I've tried to do the way of, you know, are you grateful for three things today and what did you win the day and those sorts of things? And I find that really difficult. Um, I, I do practice gratitude, but in a different perspective. But I either speak, actually, I find it a lot easier to articulate when I voice message and will this happen today and I'm feeling like this and blah, 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 blah. And then when I can't decipher, I try to write and I write down how I'm feeling what's happening for the day, what happened or what I was either disappointed with myself or and just general feelings that I've connected with on that day and, and what I'm aiming to achieve from that and spew out some stuff every now and then. And sometimes I write letters to people where I'm feeling a bit pissed off but know that there's no value in being pissed off with people. So I tend to write letters to people in my journal and get it out that way and that really really helps as well. How important is that, do you think, to um, not hold that within? Oh, huge. And and I think that's a, a massive deal. I think people kind of shove that shit way down there and then don't deal with stuff and that really does um, build. And when it builds and it explodes, then that's not a good thing. So for me, I'm very much about communication and, and getting those things sort of dealt with. It's taken a while to kind of get to that point, but I think it's important for a lot of people to talk about stuff and actually feel your feelings you know we went through a time where people were like um you know suck it up and and don't think about it and just move on but it's actually important to acknowledge your feelings and how you feel and instead of just just being angry and pissed off is actually acknowledge i'm angry why am i angry you know i'm just angry angry is okay as long as you don't use it destructively and sort of acknowledge those feelings and some people find it really hard to actually use like one word to describe how they feel 
So if you sit down every now and then you're feeling a bit off and you ask yourself, what am I feeling? People find it really hard to say, I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel, and actually name that emotion. So learning to name those emotions and feel that was really, really big for me. It's huge. Yeah. Nice. And obviously I guess you're kind of in the business space. Who, who do you look up to? Oh, wow. I looked up to a lot of people and I take a lot from a different, different people, you know, Dave Tabane, you know, Dave, he's, I find him um, amazingly motivating just the oh, way man. that he, he did the way that he interacts and connects with people for me is, is amazing. Um, you know, I follow um, Kerwin Ray, Nick Bowditch. We, we cross over in some of the people that we talk about. Um, Jason Witten's another one that I follow that I find is an amazing mentor. Um, he has some amazing podcasts called the wealth faculty where he talks about all things that come together to create your wealth. And he's not necessarily talking about money. So he's talking about wealth could be health or your life or so I found that really, really helpful. Aileen Day is another one. She's got um, a very customer focused outlook on things and I find her really, really inspiring and I, I learn a lot from her. Um, there's quite a few. I do actually follow a lot of people. <laughs> I don't follow friends on Facebook. I actually follow businesses. <laughs> I guess that's when you're um, coaching other businesses, like it's mm-hmm. important to keep an eye on, I guess, what trends um, other yeah. businesses are following, would you say? Yeah, I would. And I think sometimes it's like taking little bits from certain people and then making it your own. So when I sit back and go, well, I like that, but I actually don't deal with that. So let's take that from that person and that from that person and kind of mashes together to become Michelle's coaching as opposed to other people's coaching. So, and I, I love to grow personally myself. So um, my growth then leads to my client's growth. So the more I grow, the more they grow and they teach me stuff. I love that I learn from them. I love that. I sort of sit back and go, Oh, that happened today. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. And I, and I take that on board as well. I really like that side of it. What do you do to self-educate? Gosh, what don't I do? Um, <laughs> I'm an avid reader. I'm that researcher that looks into everything and anything. So I do a lot of reading, um, sort of trying to decipher what is good information and what is a full of shit. <laughs> I podcast. I listen to a podcast every day. So I try to, I've got a list of people that I listen to and I, particularly in the car, um, or when I'm doing the cleaning or that sort of side of things, I listen to a podcast, I read, um, I take part in masterclasses and ch- challenges and those sorts of things. I actually don't do well with challenges. Challenges seem for me for some reason um, go the other way, but, <laughs> but I'm really happy in a space where Does that I'm link back up to your school life by the sounds of it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to unpack that another day. <laughs> uh-huh. When everyone challenges me, I just was like, right, we got, Seven-day challenge here. <laughs> I don't do well with them. <laughs> I don't know. So there's lots of things I do. And martial arts, again, I learn with that. I learn from other people. And I always try to be around people that are smarter than, than I am and, and learn from them and, and take from them. So, How important is that, do you think, to hang around people who are smarter than what you are? Oh, hugely. Like, in, I think that was something that, I wish I had done more of during my guy business is actually involve people that had so much more knowledge than me, as opposed to trying to do it all myself and then learning via YouTube or whatever else, actually interacting with people that knew more would have been probably a better way to go. And 
I just take I just take a lot from that. I learn a lot from that. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's start to wrap it up. I've got five questions that I fired everyone before the end. I did send them through. I'm not sure if you've seen them, but got uh, tell us something about you that no one would know. Gosh, and this I struggled with because I'm a bit of a communicator. So, <laughs> but um, when I was little, I had these blue, these brown boots that used to come right up to my knees, and I loved those boots. I was a real mucky pup. I was like in the mud and everything else when I was little, but those boots were my favourite boots. Um, and I, I had them when I was like five, and I loved them to death. And to this very day, I wish I could still wear those boots. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I love those boots. <laughs> Best piece of advice you've ever been given? The stories you tell yourself matter. So, you know, the internal dialogue that you work with yourself is massive. And, and I think when I first learned this, um, I was asking myself, is this serving me after I'd thought something? And I was asking myself like a gazillion times a day. And I think about 95% of my answers were no. And that was that was huge. I, I think that week I was exhausted and was sick to death of asking myself that question. But now sort of 18 months to two, two and a half, maybe three years later, it's amazing the, the transition that's occurred by simply being aware of what I'm saying to myself and how I can reframe that information to uh, to the better of, of myself instead of um, self-sabotaging. Yeah, nice. Is there anything that's happened in the past that you thought would be the worst thing that's end up turning out to be a blessing? Yeah, um, and it's funny, it takes a while for you to get that lesson. <laughs> but we had some legal um, situations within Gaia that we had to go through and we had no choice but to go through them. We were accused of things we didn't do, but it didn't matter. There was nothing I could do about it. So um, at the time, I seriously felt like my world was ending and I was so tired and emotional and was really, why would the world do this to me um, kind of attitude and and I look at it now and, and know how much I learned from that experience about resilience, about perception, about um, processes, systems, but accepting things as they are rather than what they should be. So, or what you want them to be. I had to accept a situation whether I liked it or not. And that that's led me quite a long way in life. That, well, I don't like what's happening, but okay. Like going into lockdown today um, and, and I was in a cafe when that was announced and and this lady is sort of over there going, oh, my God. And I'm like, well, it's going to be what you make it. So, all right, we're going into lockdown. Okay, I'll just deal with that rather than being so controlling over the outcome that you want. So that was big. That was a really big thing. I didn't think I was going to get through it, but I did. And, and I'm better off for it. Yeah, nice. Where do you want to be in five years? Uh, I'm still trying to work that out. <laughs> but um, I would love to be able to work more instructing with karate. So I'd like to be able to build that up a little bit more. Um, and with my coaching side of things, I'd really like to release a, 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 some, some products that help people with their mental and emotional well-being. So be it through affirmational cards and posters and things or journals and, and calendars, diaries, that type of thing where people can actually every day see these things i've looked at doing an app in that space as well but i really want to be able to help people in that emotional um and mental well-being space there's that entrepreneur coming out in you <laughs> i know i want to go into products i'm really missing products <laughs> you have a favorite quote 
I do. And it was like someone hit me with a brick when I <laughs> when I heard it and that's no one else is coming. Yeah, powerful. It's it's all up to me. Mm. Um, I, I didn't put it on the list, but what what's your definition of success? My definition of success is being able to do what I like to do, enjoy what I do, have time for family and time for the things that I love. Nailed it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Where, uh, if the listeners want to reach out or send you a message or anything, where would they find you? Where's the best spot? Mainly on Instagram. So michelle.fogrenick. Um, website coming soon. I'm very excited to say working on that now. And um, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook as well. So usually under my name, they can find. Yeah, perfect. Reach out. Well, thank you very much. Um, Thanks for having me. We, we have uh, caught up face-to-face at a Nick Bowdage event, so mm-hmm. hopefully uh, maybe one day again soon. I know I said to Nick not long ago, we're going to have another one. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen for a while, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody COVID. I know, right? I know. Cool. Nice to see you're going well too, so yeah. enjoying your podcasts and the people that you've featured, so that's really cool. Yeah, it's good to be back doing it actually, so... Mm-hmm. Um, got a few exciting ones coming, which is cool. So tick over 50 and I've, I've got it scheduled in. I've got the content calendar. <laughs> so uh, every Wednesday is uh, I need to release a podcast. So no. anyways, I'll hit stop. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spinning a pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing you new. If you liked it, take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram story, and tag Logan Thorpe and Logan Thorpe Fitness. If you haven't done so already, make sure you jump over and leave a review.